Amen. Thank you, Sean and Emma. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people and build disciples who walk in grace. We would actually grow in our faith. And we do this by gathering in groups uh, to explore our faith and explore our gifts and, and then use those gifts to generously serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people that walk in grace grow in faith and, and gather in groups. And you might wonder, well, like some of these groups, you know, what does this look like? And so we, we've, one of the things that we've, we've emphasized with these groups is that they're multi-generation, right? Like we want to see people across many different backgrounds gathering together. Well, why do you see that? Well, you see the metaphor up here, right? You see a father and a daughter uh, playing music together um, and, and worshiping with one another. And so this is, this is kind of a, a, a good picture. And if you think about our lives, you know, this is, it's very encouraging when you, when you see that, right? Because it's very beneficial. Um, the young, we have things to offer the old, and, and the old, we have things to offer the young, right? Like it's a reciprocal relationship. Uh, it means it's mutually beneficial and kind of expressive of that covenant that we've been talking about, right? Where we talk about covenant, how we, we do more together than we can do alone. And so as Sean has said, we worshiped in a number of different ways. Uh, this is the part of our service where we worship through communion. And uh, communion is a sacred meal that's practiced throughout the Christian church and expressed by churches throughout the world. So right now, today, there are churches in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and I don't know what all they got going on in the Antarctic substation, but there could be a church happening there today, too. Um, and so we, as part of this meal, we join around this table, and you look, well, that's a really small table, and there's just gluten-free crackers and juice on that table. What, what's, I don't, I don't really get it, but we're, what we're doing here is, is we're submitting ourselves and availing ourselves to the notion that we are part of something much larger than ourselves. In our day of, of continual focus on, on self and self-improvement and self-help, we put that aside for a moment to expand our soul to make the soul a more open place for the Lord to dwell. And when we come up and we, we take the communion, we open ourselves up to our neighbor and we say, hey, I'm all in on this Jesus thing. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm all in. And so I want you to, to hold me accountable. And there's also a piece that says, hey, be encouraged because we're in this together. And we talk about in hiking how if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so the way that we do communion here is uh, we celebrate what is called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member here at Communitas Church. We just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, you are welcome to come to the table, and we urge you to do so. And as a way to kind of prepare ourselves for that, we're going to take some time in silence. And you might look around and you go, but man, like really all of us? Like there's, there's a lot of people here, and, and some are, are bigger, and, and, and some are smaller, and and some of them kind of talk and make noises involuntarily. Yes, this is true. Both uh, big people and little people will sometimes make noises involuntarily. And, uh, and that's okay. We're not gonna, that's not going to stymie the spirit. That's not going to impede or, or stop the spirit's movement and its communication with us. And so if you're sitting around someone who's, who's making noise, you know, don't give them the stink eye. Um, that's no good. Rather continue to pray continue to press into the Lord. 
And so we're going to take some time in silence, and during that time, we're going to ask a few questions. Who is God the Father, and what has He done? And we see throughout creation, I mean, just in the simplest ways, that the Lord reveals Himself in His presence and His power. And then, who is, who is God the Son, and, and how did Jesus live His life, and, and how does this sacrificial, service-centered life inform the way that I live my life? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And how is God the Holy Spirit calling me to live this life like Christ? What is the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me? We're going to pray that during this time that, that the Lord might bring specific names and faces and times and places where we can join with what the Lord is doing and, and moving the kingdom forward. And so we'll pray that, that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, that He would confirm in us the things that we're doing that we ought to continue, all that we would better convey this gospel message to the world around us. Right? And so if you're in here and you're going, I'm just not really sure about this church thing. Um, I've heard of this Jesus guy, and, and we're still kind of kicking around the tires. Hey, great. I'm glad that you're here. This is a good people for you to be around, and I would invite you to ask those same questions of who is God the Father and, and what has he done? And who is God the Son? And, and how did Jesus live his life? And how does that inform the way that I should live my life? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me, calling to mind specific names and faces, times and places where he might be convicting us of sin, confirming in us the things that we ought to continue to do, all that we would better convey this gospel message to the world around us. And so we're going to take some time in silence to ponder these questions. And then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements out to your left and to your right, and then bring them back to your seat. I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. And there's no rush in this. This is a slow time. This is a time for us to be together. We don't all get to gather like this every day, right? Like this is kind of a unique time, right? We all kind of set aside, like, okay, Sunday, 10 o'clock, 824 Laurel Street. That's where, how we've agreed that we're going to come together at this time. And so let's take advantage of it because it isn't every day, at least for me, that I find myself in a room of, of over 100 people listening to the Lord together. Um, so this is, a, this is a unique time and it isn't anything that we need to rush out of. Okay, this is... And I know that for some of us, we're like, ooh, silence? That's uncomfortable. I'm Midwestern. We need to like fill the void with something or we need to stare at our toes. Um, and that's okay too. And this is, this is something we're all growing in. None of us has nailed it yet. And it's a good reminder to the faith that you know, none of us comes in and, and has this thing polished. And that we're all maimed saints. We're all works in progress. So if you find yourself a little bit uncomfortable in this moment, uh, just continue to bring that before the Lord. And kind of sit in that and, and, and you know, don't, be, don't be afraid of, of that. So I'll continue to pray and uh, we'll all continue to listen to the Lord. And then once everyone's come up and, and grabbed the elements, I'll read the words from Scripture and we'll continue on. So Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the many ways that you reveal your presence, your power, and your wisdom to us. And we see that manifest in, in, in your Son, Jesus. So Jesus, we pray that we would, we would see your life and we would look at our lives and, and, and by your Holy Spirit's power we would live lives that, that glorify you. 
that we would live lives like Christ. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would convict us of sin. Your scripture says that we've all fallen short. Not one of us in here is exempt. And Lord, we know that you're working in us and there are things that we are doing which are good that we should continue to do. And so we pray that you would confirm those in us and strengthen us that we would continue to do those things which draw us closer to you. We pray that you'd give us specific names and faces and times and places where we can better convey your gospel truth to the kingdom around us. The last time that Jesus was together with his friends, they were celebrating this sacred meal called Passover. And, and as Jesus often does, he kind of takes what is traditional and, and known and kind of flips it around a little bit and breathes new life into it. And so what had once been a meal that helped the nation of Israel remember the time that they were enslaved in Egypt and the way that the Lord had brought them out of that, Jesus now uses this meal to help the rest of the world throughout the rest of time remember the time that, that the Lord brought them out of slavery and brings us out of slavery and into freedom and grace. And so as they're eating, he takes the bread, and after blessing it, he takes it and gives it to the disciples and says, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Lord, we thank you for this covenant and for this forgiveness, and pray that it would continue to inform who we are and how we live. We thank you for your grace. Amen. Okay, at this time, there are some blue buckets that are making their way around the various sections. Feel free to pitch your, your uh, cups in there, and we will dispose of them for you. Um, so we're going to continue our way through Genesis as we do our, our year-long walk through the Torah. And we're going to be looking at Genesis 21 through 25, but just specifically, we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis 21, 1 through 7, and then Genesis 22, um, we're doing, I think, 1 through, is it 19 or so? Um, but the readers will have that for you. So um, if Matt and Sue want to make their way up, we can do that. So if you're, if you're following along, you want to follow along with a paper Bible, Genesis is toward the front. Just feel free to, to flip a few pages in, and uh, you'll find Genesis right there in the beginning. If you do not want to, uh, if you don't have a paper Bible with you, feel free to follow along on a mobile device. You can take that out and tap, swipe, and do whatever it else is you need to do to find it there. If neither of those options are available or preferable, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So, Matt and Sue, whenever you're ready. Uh, Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son 
in his old age. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. And they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took his knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on your son or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offering as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Amen. Thank you, Matt and Sue. And thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to gather together to read it, to talk about it, and to discuss it. We pray for your church around the world where that is not necessarily the case, and that we would seek to be a people that fulfill this promise, that we would seek to be a people that are a blessing, not just to our neighbors, but to our neighbors around the world. Amen. Okay. Wyatt, is there some, what do we do this time? Kids? Kids go? Should we do that? All right. So this time of the service, kids, you can head on out toward this door. And Sue and Kristen and Pam and Leanne, Leanne and Rachel um, and Scott and Katie.
Amy, all have a, a great lesson planned for you back there. And so, Lord, we thank you for these, these volunteers. We know that uh, it is vitally important that people take time to disciple your children, both young and old. So we, we pray for their time back there, that these children would grow in what it is to follow you and that we would exemplify what a life of faithfulness looks like to them. Amen. Uh, real quick, so it was brought to my attention that um, a few weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Abraham and, and the sacrifice, I made the, made the, the statement that um, Abraham didn't bring anything to the table. Correction, he did bring animals to the table, but uh, the, the point there to emphasize is that the Lord is the one who is the most invested. It's the Lord that, uh, um, that was all in and, and had the most to, to lose there. Um, so just a, a quick note on that. But uh, what, so what I what I want to do um, here is is go over kind of briefly, going to go over twenty one to twenty five, and uh, and then we're going to see what I love about chapter twenty two and, and what's kind of interesting in um, throughout Hebrew poetry and throughout Hebrew literature is this idea of time, and and we see that Genesis chapter one, seven days creation, and, and so we see all this stuff that's happening. In Genesis 22, we see like, you know, a quick summary of, of three days, and then Moses is writing like moment by moment by moment, and so all of a sudden, time really slows down. And so we're going to take a, take a little bit of time to, to look at that because that's a symbol of, of something's important, right? I mean, like if you're in a conversation with someone and they tell you everything that happened in a year, but then they, they take like five minutes to tell you about something that happened in, in one minute, that meant that it was, it was very important, right? So we're going to, we're going to do that. Um, so real quick, so we have uh, in, in, in 21, we see that the birth of Isaac. And I just want to read verse 1 of, of chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he said... And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And so what are we seeing here? So like years ago, if, if, and if you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, so years ago in, in the story, the Lord visits Sarah and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to come back. and you, This is what's going to happen. And then they visit, visit her again and says, hey, you're going to have a kid. And she's like, I'm super old. Like this is not a body that, that bears children. That, that's, that's done. And the Lord's like, uh, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to come back next year, and, and you're going you're gonna to have born a son. So the Lord comes back, visits Sarah as he said he would, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. And so all of a sudden, Sarah, who had kind of laughed at the Lord, is now laughing with joy. So she's laughing for this completely different reason. Um, but then the next scene that we see is not very funny, right? So she and this gal, Hagar, they get in this, this big fight, um, and and they have to kind of go their separate ways. And, and so we see in the midst of, of what should be kind of this high point, we see this disharmony. And then we'll talk a little bit um, more about the sacrifice of Isaac. And, and if you didn't get it here, spoiler alert, uh, Isaac doesn't die. Um, but then Genesis chapter 23, we, send, we see the end of, of Sarah's life. And, and we see that Abraham is... is He's talking with the folks, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a place to, to bury my wife. Like, you know, I'm gonna, I want to pay full price 
for the field, and, and the guys are like, oh, no, no, like you've, you've done so much. And so we, f we see this fun back and forth where the, the, these two parties are trying to outserve one another. Like, isn't that a refreshing competition that we don't see very often? Like, when was the last time you went on Facebook and saw people, two people duking it out uh, over who is, you know, to try to serve one another better than the other? Uh, it's not happened much in, in my world. Um, and then we see that Abraham goes and he, he takes his servant and he, and he says, I need you to go to the land where I came from and I need you to find a wife for, for my son Isaac. Um, because if this promise that the Lord has, has given me is going to be fulfilled, uh, we need to find this guy a wife. And, and so he goes out and, and he prays. And, uh, and lo and behold, like this doesn't happen very often that I've ever witnessed, but he prays and, then, and there is, is Rebecca. Um, the wife that, um, uh, the woman who will become Isaac's wife, and they eventually uh, get married. And the servant brings brings him back, brings her back to Isaac, and they find um, Isaac praying in a field. Um, and they so they get married, and and Abraham um, it's toward the end of his life, and so then at his death, and then so the end of chapter, the middle way through chapter twenty five. Um, I just love this, and they're, they're going through it, and he's telling a story about, so Abraham dies, and, and he's, he's being buried, and there's Isaac and, and Ishmael are burying their father. And so we see these, these two brothers that, that have, or these two half-brothers that, you know, it's, it's been a little, there's been some tension between their moms, to say the least, um, throughout the story, but we see some reconciliation beginning to happen uh, between these two brothers. Let's go back, and I just want to focus again as we look at the time where they, they slow down, where time really slows down in Genesis 22. So we'll just read it. Genesis 22, verse 1. So after these things, God tested Abraham. So I find this interesting, right? So tested Abraham. It says, Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. I want you to take your son, your only son. So he's affirming this covenant promise that he said, he says, you know, because Abraham's had other sons with other, other, other women, um, but he says, hey, uh, your only son that you have, like, through Sarah, your wife, the son that you love, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering on the mountains, which I tell you. So Abraham rose, and he goes. Is anybody else hitting the brakes at this part of the story? Like, what? This is a little bit odd. So I just want to talk about a few things here. So it says, after this, Ab God tested Abraham. So it wasn't uncommon in, in that era for parents to sacrifice their children, right? And, uh, and so it's easy to think, well, maybe it was like just cultural thing, like Abraham thinks, oh, this is what I have to do. But what do we see here? It isn't culture that's telling Abraham to do this. Who is, is telling Abraham to do this? This is God. We're like, wait a minute, this is like, and, and, and kind of the, the phrase, that, or how Moses phrases is this idea of Elohim, and so we have this, this God who is true, who's very uh, pervasive, and very personal, and very powerful. And so there's this, this odd tension that all of a sudden this, this all-knowing, very true, very pervasive, very you know, pursuing God Tells Abraham, hey, uh, I need you to, to go and burn your kid on a mountain a few days away from here. So the thoughts, like, I mean, just imagine you're Abraham, right? 
And he says, when you take your son, your only son whom you love, uh, by the way, this is the first time that um, we see the, this expression of love in, in, the, in the Bible. Uh, so Genesis 22, 22 chapters in, this is, this is where we see this expression of, of love between the father and the son. He says, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took his two young men with him and his son Isaac. Um, morning people? Got any morning people in here? Okay, yeah, you don't count. Uh, you do count, you do count. I'm, I'm with you. Um, any, anybody here not a morning person? Okay, if, if what, is gonna, was it, what is it going to take you to get out of bed early? Is it going to be something like just mundane or is it going to take something big, right? It usually takes something big. I remember when I was younger, like you could not pry me out of my bed to get me to go to school and our school started at like eight o'clock and it was like fairly doable. 5.30 hockey practice, bam, four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, sweet, let's eat some breakfast. Let's go play some hockey. Right, because that was what I wanted to do. That was what was more important. Motorcycle trip, pedal bike, whatever else. Yeah, up early, no problem. School, no, pass, let's not do that. Right, so what is it? It's the, the things that are important to us are the things that help us rise early in the morning. And so this just brings about more questions. Like, what is going on in Abraham? If you were here last week, we saw that the Lord comes and he visits Abraham. This is the same Abraham that the Lord visits and says, hey, I'm going to go and destroy this city, Sodom, I'm, we just got to start over. And Abraham's like, well, if there's 50 people there that are good, will you not save it? Well, what is this, 40? 30? 20? 10? And he's negotiating with the Lord to, to save this city. He says, if there's 10 people in this city of just utter madness and chaos who are righteous, will you, will you spare the city? And the Lord's like, yeah, even if there's 10, I'll do it. And so this is this very same Abraham that the Lord comes and says, hey, I want you to go sacrifice your kid on the mountain. He's like, sweet, I'll get up early for that. What's happening here? Let's continue. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. So they've been going for three days. Abraham's got to sit with this for three days. His son, his only son, whom he loves, he's supposed to just follow the Lord to this place. Are you feeling any tension if you're Abraham right now? Do you think there's some conflict? You laid, you know, like you're making dinner at night and you're laying down with your, with your son and, and these two other folks that are riding with you? What are you feeling? What do you, what do you think? What, you know, you've got to go back to Sarah and be like, hey, I know that uh, you're all old and this took a while. Like, can you imagine what's going on in, in Abraham right here? And then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Is this bringing up any questions with, with anybody? So we, we see this command, right? So what, hey, go and, go and offer your son as a sacrifice. And so, I mean, sacrifices, that was, I mean, if you're, like, it's a big bonfire. There's, but then all of a sudden Abraham's like, oh, I'm going to go do this, but oh, we're going to come back. Me and the boy are going to come back. Does this puzzle anybody else? 
And so they both went together. Or excuse me, um, verse 5. So then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took, his hand, took in his hand the fire and the knife, and they went up together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, uh, I see the fire and the wood. Where's the lamb? Good question. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they, so they went, both of them, together. So here we see this unified father and son going up the mountain. You're thinking, like, what's going on? You know, because Isaac, you know, he's, he's thinking, hey, I, I, I know how this goes. I've got this wood on my back. I'm following my father. But we're missing something here. And when they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, and they laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on top of the altar on top of the wood and reached out his hand and with a knife to slaughter his son. And the angel of the Lord called and said, Abraham, Abraham, right? I mean, if you're Abraham, right? Like, I mean, this is a weird moment. There is no other way to explain this. Like, this is a little bit odd. You're standing there with the knife ready to kill your kid. Like, if you're thinking, oh, this is a really weird story, you are right. It is. And, and like, how sweet are those words when finally the Lord calls out to Abraham and says, Abraham, Abraham, yep, here I am. Don't do that. Whoo! Okay. Thank you. Like, I mean, could you, like, do you not just exhale at that moment? You're just like, man, I really do not want to kill this son, my only son whom I love, and I really do not want to go back to my wife, my barren wife who I love and, and I've been spending the last 100 years with, and I have to explain this one to her. And so we read that the Lord says, For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up instead. And he called the place the Lord will provide. And on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So let's go back. Let's go. So why, why does Abraham go in the first place? Well, I think for one, he knows that, that the Lord has promised, right? He remembers that the Lord has promised him. He's like, hey, I remember that, that for the last 26 years or so, you and I have been having this dialogue, Lord, where you keep saying that you're going to give me property and progeny, you're going to be a nation, you're going to give me land for these people to live in, and they're going to be a blessing to all the nations, to all the descendants of earth throughout time. And so I know that this has happened because you know, last chapter, you were talking with my wife and you said you visited her as you said you were going to and you did what you promised. And you're saying, Lord, I've never seen you drop the ball. I've never seen you not do what you said you were going to do. I've always seen you be faithful. And so if you tell me to get up and go and do this, even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take common sense and I'm going to put that in a box and I'm just going to step into faithfulness and I'm going to follow you up the mountain. Because I know that you're going to provide. I know that even in the midst of the confusion and the hurt and the, and the freaked out and the scared, that you are going to provide for me because I know you to be a faithful, good father. And so then they, so he follows them up and, and there's a couple of uh, like built-in things. So I love this. So the Lord kind of tips his hand. 
and say, I want you to go to Moriah. Well, Moriah's where, where Hagar went last week. And, and, and it's this place, so Moriah means like the place where the Lord sees. And so the, so the Lord is saying, hey, Abraham, I want you to come and meet me on the mountain where the people's needs are seen and met. So Abraham's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go over there and sacrifice my son, but the need is I need to have a son in order to make this thing keep going. And if you're going to call me to the place where you see my needs and you meet my needs, then yeah, I'm going to go to that place because I, I know you to be good and to be faithful. And so we see that, right? Like Abraham kind of tips his hand too when he, he tells the young man. He's like, hey, look, I saw my wife's dead womb bring forth life. And if the Lord is telling me to go up on this mountain and sacrifice my son, I believe that the Lord is going to be able to bring my son back to life so that we can all come back here after we worship and we will be united again together. Because why else would he tell the guy that he's traveling with, we're both coming back? Because that's going to be tough to explain too. Hey, Abraham, uh, where's, where's Isaac? Oh, yeah, he went a different way. No. He knows that they're going to come back. He knows that the Lord will provide. Because he remembers the promise. He knows that the Lord will see his needs and will meet his needs. And so we see this, this archetype beginning that we'll, we'll continue to trace throughout the rest of our, our time in the Torah and, and throughout the rest of, of our reading of Scripture. And as you, as you read through the Scriptures on your own, we'll begin to see this pattern of, of where we have chosen death, the Lord chooses life, and then provides the way out for us. Like we even remember this back in when we were talking about Genesis, right? Adam and Eve sin. They get scared. They think we've got to cover ourselves up like we're going we're gonna to try to do our, our, our healing on our own. We're going to cover ourselves in fig leaves. And the Lord shows up and he goes, it's a wild, rugged world out there and you can't cover yourself. You can't do it on your own. And so he provides for them an animal. We got skins, provides leather and says, here, head on out. And so we see this here. We, we're going to see this, this continue to play out. And we're going to see that later the Lord will also call his son to take wood on his back and follow him up a hill in faithfulness. Behind the trusting father. And we'll hear this, these words again of his son, his only son, whom he loves, who will also die, but will not stay dead, and who will come forth from the tomb. And so what is it that Moses is trying to get us to see here? He's saying, hey, I need you to see that, that God provides life where there is death. And this is important because you need to have a faith that is a resurrecting faith. You need to have a faith where you believe that where there was once death, there can now be life. This is that you can't earn this. This isn't something that you can buy. Like when you're dead, can, can you buy anything? Do you have purchasing power? From the grave, no. You got nothing. 
So we need to see less of self and more of the Lord. And so what happens if, if we don't do this? What happens if we don't see that we're, we're called to have this resurrection faith? We're supposed to have this faith like Abraham that says, yeah, I believe, Lord, that you will provide. You will see my need, and my need for, for healing, my need for reconciliation to you, and that you will meet and you will provide that. If we don't see that, we're going to continue walking in dead ways, not trusting in the Lord. And we're going to look for different systems and structures instead of the person of Christ, right? Like how many of us, we sit there and we go, oh, I'm going to get my act together by doing X, Y, Z thing. And we put all of our trust in whatever it is. So you think like, you know, for me personally, I'm like, man, my garage is a mess. Once I get like these shelves put up, then it will all be better. No, it won't. It will be a mess later. It will help. Like I'm not against systems and structures, right? Like there are certain things that we need to do in order to, you know, to accomplish certain goals in our lives. But so often we put all of our faith in, well, once, I, you know, once we get this thing done on the house or once I you know, get past this grade or once I graduate from this school or once I get this car, once I get you know, this boyfriend, this girlfriend, this spouse, you know, once this kid gets this thing figured out or once we have this squared away, then all will be okay. And the Lord's saying, no, I need you to trust in me. I need you to be obedient to me, to who I've called you to be. Because obedience means that we have new assurance. Obedience shows us where our assurance is found. And if I'm so hung up with being obedient to a system or a structure, that's where my hope is found. And the problem with that is that it's, t- it's only going to work for, for so long because it's contingent on man, right? And our plans only work for so long. So we continue to try to earn it. And we like so many will stick to what's logical, to common sense. Right? But we see the way that, that Abraham steps out and he's like, hey, common sense says to just stay here with Sarah. But the Lord, you're, I don't really know your method, but you're calling me to this. And so I'm going to go. I, don't, I can't see all that you can see, Lord, but I'm going to trust in you because you've proven yourself to be good. And so what should we do as a, as a result of this? Well, let's respond in faith. If you're in here today and you're just like, oh, I'm just not really kicking this, I, I just don't really get this, I don't really understand, let's have a conversation about that. And if you're like, hey, I, I, I want to be, but I really, you know, just ask for forgiveness. Trust in the Lord. And as we continue to know the Lord, we continue to obey the Lord. And as we continue to obey the Lord, we begin to join the Lord. And we see the way the Father and the Son go together up the mountain. And this obedience is a continual process. You know, sometimes it's, it's really easy. You, know, you, kind of get, you do the obedience thing for a little while, and then the wheels kind of fall off the wagon. You're like, ah, it was a lost cause anyway. But take heart. There are going to be good days, and there are going to be bad days. This is why we do this together, Right? And it's trusting less in self and investing more in the soul. We sing songs about how the... Uh, we sing songs around Christmas time about how we you know, let every heart prepare him room. We sing about how this, the soul is to be a, a more roomy place for the Lord. Yet often we're tempted to, to spend time thinking about system and structure and self-improvement. But what does it look like to begin 
as we see Abraham doing, stepping out and, and becoming a man, not of, not of greater self, but of greater obedience and a soul that's longing after the Lord. And then Isaac shows us, man, get ready to suffer and get ready to serve. I mean, can you imagine being Isaac? That would be, that'd be a confusing moment. That, I'd need some therapy after that one. But it's not always going to be bad, right? We see throughout the lives of Abraham and throughout the lives of Isaac, and, and later we'll see throughout the life of Jesus, that it isn't always bad. But just be prepared because sometimes it will be. And there will be seasons where it will be difficult. That's why we have the Spirit. That's why we have the church. That's why we have one another. That's why we don't go this alone. And we talk about here where we walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups, explore our gifts, and generously serve. How we gather together, we grow with one another, and we go out with each other. We can continue the process and not go it alone. So as we think about this passage throughout the, the coming week, we see that you know, Sarah finally sees the Lord's faithfulness. And she laughs again for a completely different reason. So what does is, what is the Lord's faithfulness look like in your life? Have there been certain things that you've been asking about and yearning for and waiting on? And did those things come sooner than you had expected? Or did it take a little bit of time? And how have you understood testing versus temptation? It's an odd thing that we see that the Lord is, is testing Abraham. I know sometimes that's a bit of a tension piece. And so testing is, is what the Lord does when he gives us two choices. It gives us a number of choices and allows us to make the right one. Temptation is something that, that evil does and, and that Satan does to allure us away from the Lord and into sin. And so what has your experience been with the two? And what is the Lord showing you in the midst of those? And, so the, and then the world speaks to us a message of, of acquirement, if not tangible, not, you know, if not about just getting more things, maybe about getting more experiences. And here we see a message of hope with service and sacrifice. Abraham serving the Lord, willing to sacrifice all that he's, he's been given. And so in what ways is the Lord calling us to serve, to sacrifice? What ways is the Lord calling you to serve his kingdom, and to sacrifice himself. And we see that Abraham's faith is strengthened by his knowledge and his experience with the Lord. So as you gather throughout the week with, with your friends or in a communitas group, you take some time to share the way that the Lord has been faithful and call to mind those times when, man, it just did not make any sense. And so as we hear God's voice, Let us remember, and let us remind, and let us rejoice. Let us remember that God provides life where there is death. Let us remind others to respond in faith, though it is not easy and may not make sense. And let's rejoice because God has done it. God has made the way. We who are in Christ serve a God who provides. We serve a God who brings life where there was once death. And he never calls us to a place that he has not already been and is not already working. 
So as you go out this week, may you step into places of, of the unknown. Be not afraid if you step into places where there is tension and where you're nervous and where you're scared because we see that the Lord is already there. He won't ask you to do anything that he has not already done. And when we do this, we see that we fulfill the call to be the blessing to the world around us. Join us in the back for some simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages. Hustle back and grab your kids. Otherwise, we will give them simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages. Go in peace.